The Zone Coverage Podcast Network. This podcast is presented in front of a live Astadio audience. I told him about the the time that your family ate like a week's worth of Marlin during the World Series. Yes, 97. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't even six years old yet. I was just a young pup, but I have a vivid memory of going to the grocery store and my dad picked out Marlin and we roasted it and all huddled around the small TV <laughs> and we're eating Marlin as we watched game seven. <laughs> do you do you think as someone who ate Marlin, that's probably, this is Cleveland Marlin, keep in mind. We were, Brandon and I were talking about this. It's uh, Cleveland bought Marlin. Do you think that uh, Brandon and I should do this during the trade deadline with, uh, with the twins in Miami? Yes. Happy Friday. It's Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. You can find Midwest Swing on Twitter at Midwest Swing Pod. You can find Zone Coverage at Zone Coverage MN. I'm your host, Brandon Warren. You can find me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Warren. We've got Justin producing today at I am Justin Bailey on Twitter. And then across the table from me is Tom Schreier at T Schreier 3, the co-founder of Zone Coverage. What's up? Not a ton. It's a it's a funny time for the twins coming off, obviously. The the Yankees series and probably one of the most epic games in baseball for a team that really doesn't need more hours playing baseball this year. Um, and then, yeah, to see Nelson Cruz, the old man Cruz, knocking three homers off of Giolito. It, it was quite a game last night. Yeah, when you buy like a snowblower or uh, something like that, <laughs> talk about how many hours you have on you. The Twins have a lot of hours and a yes. lot of very difficult hours on their meter right now. Before we get to our opening guest, thank you so much for your reviews on whatever podcast platform you listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, Google Play, Spotify, the Apple Podcast, Purple Icon, whatever it is, we appreciate those because it gives us a little more legitimacy in the eyes of advertisers and podcast providers. So leave us five stars if you like the show. If you don't, slide into those DMs and let me know what we can change. Because without you, we cannot do the show. So thank you for your support. Now, returning to the program with a smile like a Cheshire cat, I'm sure, <laughs> after a, an epic... 13-inning win in Kansas City last night. It is Chris from Cleveland. What's up, man? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me back on. And then I would agree with your statement. I do have one of those grins. <laughs> so did you stay up and watch the end of that game last night? No, I w- stayed up until the ninth. And that's usually my rule against for these type of games in August or you know late July against a team like the Royals. If they don't ha- win it by the ninth, I just – let the gods decide. And so, this time it flipped in our favor. So I can't, I should probably institute something like that for covering games for his own coverage then, uh, because then I don't. You would miss that. half the season yeah, this year. That's for the Twins. In. Um, <laughs> yeah, that five hour game. It was, it was a fun, like, marathon game. But well, I wouldn't get home at 2 30 after a 16 inning game. Yeah. But I also wouldn't have seen Tuesday night's game. So I mean, yeah, yeah. you give and you get. Well, but uh, yeah, crazy. Well, and it, and it's funny you say that because I have now become an anti-Twins fan. So every game you guys have, I inherently will watch or catch up on. So I was mm-hmm. right there with you on Tuesday night. <laughs> well, and it was frustrating watching the 13th or excuse me, 14th inning. I didn't realize they went to 14. I thought it was only 13 last night in Kansas mm-hmm. City. AJ Cole comes in. He can't find the strike zone with a broadside, like it's a you know broadside of a barn. And so he walks two guys in a row, goes 2-0 on Jorge Soler. And throws a slider two feet outside that Solaire just waves at. It's like, oh my gosh, man. Your your run, you know, if you homer, you win the game, but your run does not mean so much that you shouldn't be taking until he gives you a fastball right where you want it. 
ultimately next three guys I think get out or it, however it comes to fruition. No, that's right. They scored one run on a sack fly. I think Solaire maybe the fly ball to center field or something. But very frustrating to see it end that way. AJ Cole gets his first save of the year, and I mean to tell you, it's still a two game deficit. With how things went against the Yankees and how things went for Cleveland, how pleased are you to have the deficit down to two games, or are you wishing it was even tighter because the Twins did get kind of paddled by the Yankees? Uh, I'm very happy with two games, um, and I think if if you if you recall, I was throwing the panic button for the series coming off the All Star break, and the fact that they lost two, the bullpen didn't look good, and luckily, you know, the Indians didn't get swept, but. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pleasantly surprised with the fact that they've been able to beat up on the lesser competition. Um, and obviously the twins, you guys have played harder teams, um, but we still had to take care of business. And the hope is that you guys are kind of throwing your fastball against these tough teams and still losing. And that when you play the worst teams, you, you might've lost a little bit of zip. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're, we're still building up. We're playing the Yankees coming up. We're playing um, Houston coming up. So we're really going to see what kind of team we are. And the thought is that we've been able to kind of save our best baseball for when we play them with a two game deficit rather than, rather than we're playing them with a, you know, a six game deficit. And of course we play, have a three game set coming up against you and it, it really, it's going to become a head to head game. I, you know, obviously over here, the talk is about the, the Yankee series, given that, and I, is this stat true that they haven't won a season series since 01 against the Yankees? Do you know? I, I think they split one, but yeah, it's yeah, and it might have been like 06 in general. Or they're they're playing at like a 40 win pace for a full season, which is just staggeringly bad. And I know it's all you know small sample size for each year, but at some point that becomes substantive over the yeah. long haul. What were you? What were you, real quick before we get back to Chris? What were your impressions? Because you were at you know I was in right field with uh, Tiny Nick, who's a who's a friend of the show. Um, for the the five hour game, and then you know anyone could watch the uh, the Wednesday game on ESPN. So right. it kind of that you know smelts her keeping things from getting out of hand there. I mean, kind of a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, especially Tuesday night when there were I think there were six lead changes. Five of them came in the last I want to say three or four innings. Twins allowed nine runs in the final three innings of Tuesday night's game. They allowed nine runs in the first four innings of Wednesday's game, and then Smelter comes in and. Just gives up the homer to Encarnacion, but otherwise cleans up. And then for his reward is getting sent back to Rochester so they could bring up Sean Poppin. It, I can understand why Twins fans were emotional because it's they, still— They were. Yeah. And, they, and Yankees fans less so. We had a few Yankees fans there. Yeah. But they were legitimately worried. I had a friend— Oh, text- yeah, Yankee fans did not feel any sense of superiority in the sense that leads were insurmountable like they might have been in the past. The Twins showed they can hang. They can come back. But they also stoked a lot of those fear fires within the souls of Twins fans of we're inferior. We can't pitch against these guys. How about this? Every player who plays in Minnesota comes back and, and then Aaron <laughs> Hicks revenge game. Yeah, Aaron Hicks revenge game. And basically over the last three innings, big home run off Taylor Rogers. Who else? I mean, you got Blake yeah. Parker who implodes and then gets DFA the next day. That's something rather. And everyone's like, well, why is he pitching in the eighth inning? They had nobody left. I mean, yeah. I mean, they, they went to Ryan Harper later. I think in the game or something like that. Duffy. Yeah. I mean, they Duffy went to those guys, but I think they want, I think they wanted to stay away from those guys in the first place. But then to have Taylor Rogers give it up, and then they come back and take the lead again, and then give it up again, and then they lo- well, it was like load the bases or whatever, and had a chance again at the end, and then 
I want to say it was Ottavino shut him down at the end after yeah. after Chapman faltered. And I thought Chapman, like... Couldn't find the... Now, I don't think anyone could find the strike zone because there well, wasn't one that Rosario, night. Rosario, though, chased a little bit, which is what he does, and then had that lazy looping fl- uh, fly ball to short that ended that inning. But it certainly felt like the Twins had a chance. So I, I get where Twins fans are coming from by feeling that, um, you know, they still can't slay the giant that is the Yankees. But I can definitely see from the Yankees side of things, both as a team and from the fan standpoint, that they did not look at the twins as a team that they bullied this series. No, my friend texted me. It was me. it was a head to head clash. And so he he's a he's from New York. He's a diehard Yankee fan, but also just loves baseball. And he's like, dude, the twins are awesome. And I think it's interesting hearing that from a New Yorker's perspective where you think it's kind of the little brother team to the to yeah. the Yankees. Chris, you have to hear all this, all these lead changes, five hour game all this stuff, and as much as I'm sure Cleveland... Well, and watch now, they'll be like 8-2, 8-1, and it'll be a split, or a, a two of three, or a split, or whatever. Like There'll be no drama, right? and then maybe there's not even that much movement in the in the standings. But man, how anticlimactic would it be after we saw with the Twins if Cleveland just has a very nondescript series? Well, I mean, I just, yeah, kind of the, the Twins going into you know Chicago, Miami, and then playing Kansas City... Uh, if you're in Cleveland, you got to love that. The that sounds like a Yankees. Tom Schreier vacation. It does, <laughs> except he's driving all of it. You're gonna drive from Chicago to Miami to to Kansas City. That sounds like no, no. Come no, back here, here the Kansas City games here. Oh, well, yeah. that, uh, you got to come back home, right, Bailey? It sounds like something he would drive. Yeah. I think I'd got Justin over there nodding Goes. while he's uh, in between bites of pretzel because we're that boring. But you you have to love that, Chris. Right? The it'll it'll t- tire the Twins out a little bit before they uh, get a little easy stretch. Yeah, that that's a hundred percent what I was thinking. Is that they 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 devoted what 80, 80 runs to the Yankee series and lost two of the games. I mean, there's nothing better from a Indian perspective. It's, it, I mean, that's that's fantastic. It, mm-hmm. They they threw, threw their best shot. It was that, awesome. There's something to be said for saving runs for later, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, you're talking <laughs> to an Indians fan who I think two years ago we had the 21 game win streak just to lose to the Yankees in the second round. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Now, what do you think? I mean, we're getting awfully close to the trade deadline here. We'll have one more show before it where we'll probably go all the way into the deep end, both literally and figuratively when it comes to twin stuff. But what are your expectations for Cleveland? Because right now, I mean, we know where they are in the standings. We know where they are in terms of personnel. What makes sense for this team to do? I mean, if they were going to add, then why didn't they do anything much this offseason? especially because prices were not crazy. And now you'd be paying market rate for a lot of improvements. Now you could obviously see the market and maybe go like under the radar. Like if the twins trade for Ian Kennedy, for instance, you know, guy who's got a big contract for next year and would probably have to have it paid down. What makes sense for Cleveland to do both in the sense that they probably want to be sensible, but I'm not totally sure they can go status quo either. So it's interesting because you said we didn't, add anyone in the off season, but we, we got, we made some little deals that had got us contributors. You know, we got well, true Carlos Austin, Santana. We traded, well, we got Santana, but as part of the Santana trade, we got, I believe we got Jordan Luplo, who's our starting right fielder. And mm, then that's we fair. traded two minor leaguers for Oscar Mercado, who has turned into our everyday uh, center fielder. All right. You're putting me in a box and, now. You're putting me in a box here, <laughs> <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, but this has been, how management has been has been going about it is they found these small uh, prospects that they're able to maneuver their way into, and as a part of it, 
um, they're able to try to rebuild on the fly and not take those big swings. And, you know, it, it worked out with obviously with Mercado. Um, well, and plus they're paying and, those guys. Has been okay. And, they're paying those yeah, guys combined ahead. less than they paid either Hanley Ramirez or Carlos Gonzalez, most likely, which is, um, yes. I mean, that's a sore subject, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, but but you're right. We, we we've been able. So that's kind of what the fan base has been thinking is that we've been able to get these guys and take small swings, and they've been able to pay off. But when are they going to make that big swing to commit? And honestly, guys, I don't think they will. I think the best free agent pickup or the best trade deadline deal they could have is an MVP level Jose Ramirez, which honestly mm-hmm. is who we're starting to see. And if Jose starts swinging the bat that way that's as good as picking up a bat that we can trade for. And then we can kind of ride with the guys we currently have. And, and I think that kind of softens the blow of having to go out and take a big swing. Whereas we can maybe go after a a lower tier guy, like a Castellanos from the Tigers. How how much of a lift has a guy like Zach Plesak given? I mean, I know the peripheral stats. I mean, he's not blowing people away like Shane Bieber or anything, but to bring up a guy who, simply as holding his own as the de facto three, four starter. I mean, Adam Plutko is not going to make anybody too excited. And, and it's been kind of a revolving door in that fifth spot. But um, how, how much has he helped, you know, 10 starts in a three, five ERA. You can't shake a fist at that. I know. And, and that's why we are where we are is because not having Kluber and Carrasco hurts when you're playing, Minnesota and when you're playing the Yankees, when you're playing Boston, Houston, and where it doesn't hurt as much as when you're playing Kansas city and Detroit, but where, where they also police is able to come in against those teams and still get W's. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're not just winning two out of three anymore, or we're just that fifth game is a coin flip. Whereas it's massive, massive to have him bridge the gap while both of those guys are out. And I think that's where the true value is. And, and he's one of the, going to be one of the unsung heroes of the team because he's been able to help us bridge that gap and go on these win streaks against the teams we should be beating because you could start making excuses against those teams when your starters are injured. You can't make excuses really against a a better team. Offensively, it's harder to make that excuse, Mm -hmm. but when you're playing a team that's worse than you, it's easy to make that excuse. Oh, we just won two out of three because we threw, we had to throw police but because he's, he has those type of numbers this year. um, It's, it's been astronomical and then on that same point with the with the pitching staff i think that's another reason we don't have to take a big swing out of pitchers because we're still thinking we could get kluber back by september and maybe carrasco and worst case scenario um one of those guys will at least be available in the pen has your confidence factor changed in this bullpen since we talked to you last not in the slightest i think if you remember (laughs) last time you talked to me you said, who do I have confidence in in a reliever? And I said, no one. And sure enough, that series against Minnesota, I think it was Nate Goody gave up a, a ton of runs. Yeah. Um, you know, I think when, we, gave, we blew two, two leads in that series, and I was sitting there kind of, I, I didn't want to say I told you so, but I told you so. It mm-hmm. hurts me to say so. But <laughs> Well, in the last game, then Tito stuck with, uh, who, who was the last starter? I'm trying to remember the start of the last game. Um, oh. Bieber, right? Oh, it was just Bieber. Bieber, and yeah. he stuck with him into you know it was almost like fool me once fool me twice you're not going to fool me three times because after the bullpen kind of scuffled in those first two games he stuck with the starter longer and it almost blew up on him too and that's that's when you almost feel like the snake bite factor is really taking over as 
you do everything by the book, whatever has worked for you all year, and then all of a sudden it doesn't work for you. So you're like, okay, well, if that doesn't work, I'm going to go back to the opposite of that. And then when that doesn't work, you're like, well, now where do I go from here? Basically, we're talking about the Twins bullpen in this instance too because the Twins bullpens hung on for dear life for the first three months of the season. With Tito, it was obviously in more of a micro sense, but he turned over these games. You know, Mike Clevenger, he didn't run into the ground because Clevenger hasn't pitched that much this season. And with Bauer, mm-hmm. um, you know, he, was, he wasn't having the greatest game or anything like that. And so it just uh, – th- that has to be frustrating as a manager when you do things your way and it fails. So you're like, okay, well, then I'll do it the opposite way, and then it starts to kind of go sideways on you. And then all of a sudden, you know, Trevor May hangs an 0-2 curveball to Carlos Santana. He goes, yeah, yeah, and, um, you know, they salvaged the third game of the series – but, yeah, I had to kind of feel for Tito at that point because he was just pulling out all the stops to try salvage that last game. Yeah, because I think he knew how important that was because if we lose that game, you're looking at eight and a half back and then you're really, really starting to dig yourself out of a hole. And, and, and then maybe you lose confidence going into these winnable games that, you know, we've obviously been able to win. Um, but we, we, I know the numbers say we have the best bullpen in the league. And, and last night's a perfect example. I think the bullpen threw eight scoreless innings. And, but I don't, but it, it, I don't really care that they throw eight scoreless innings against the Kansas City Royals. Right. There's zero <laughs> pressure in that game. Like, throw me one scoreless inning against the Minnesota Twins in a pressure situation. And I, I will continue to reiterate, I do not trust these guys. Brad Hand, again, he blew a save two nights ago in, in uh, Toronto. And, and, and he's the guy I should have the most confidence with. Um, well, that was like Rodgers against the Yankees, too. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's so frustrating. And, and it's just the inherently inherently bullpens you're going to be negative about, right? Because they have one job to do. It's, a very, it's very binary. You either, either hold the lead or they don't. Whereas a pitcher, you know, you can salvage 10 strikeouts in a 1-0 loss or something like that. You can salvage a good start. But bullpens are inherently skewed negative because – it's very binary and just overwhelmingly you only look at the bad stats of the bullpen, right? They, they could have a quiet week where they don't blow a save. You don't, you don't applaud them, but then they mm-hmm. come and they blow two straight and you want to throw everyone off the team. So it's, it's very tough for me to get a good read on, on this bullpen. And maybe, maybe, uh, I don't know. Salazar is still my white knight. I'm hoping he can come up and throw some, throw some cheddar, <laughs> or maybe Carrasco could come in and, and or, or something. But I don't know. I have I have no confidence against either you guys or New York or Boston or Houston with a 1-0 lead that they can hold it. It's hard to imagine the Twins as someone else's Yankees, and I'm not saying that's the case <laughs> for the Indians this year or anything. But it's hard to imagine that because Twins fans have that. That inferiority complex. complex now, yeah. the, now your point about hand is well taken too. Is like this guy is just nails. It's the only guy you trust. One of us, as in Chaska's. True, but then hand. when things start going sideways, like Taylor Rogers that other night, it's like they get so much negativity for the one time they screw up. People were like, "Oh, Taylor Rogers is overworked. Taylor Rogers this. Taylor Rogers that." And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. This guy has literally been the only one you could trust and he has one hiccup and you want to, you know, throw him overboard, you know, just calm down. And at the same time too, like Devin Smeltzer the other night throws five just brilliant innings, saves the bullpen. And that doesn't get any attention because it wasn't protecting a lead. It's like a field goal kicker who could make 30 in a row, 
but you know you're seven and six, or you're trying to get miss one against the Falcons. But then you miss one when the season's on the line, and all of a sudden your job's in uh, stake at, at stake. And it's like, whoa, 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 what happened to the rest of the year when you were just awesome? <laughs> a la Blair Walsh, too soon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You remember when you dropped the call before we went on the air? <laughs> turnabout might have uh, turnabout has might be fair play here. No, um, yeah, way too soon. Do do you guys see this becoming a kind of neck and neck? I mean, the the twins showed it. At, at this point, I don't know how it can't how it can't be unless unless the only team I think is going to run away with it is the Twins now because of where the schedules are, which is worth pointing out. Right. I mean, even if Cleveland sure. plays just Wonderful baseball against these strong teams. You know, say they play 600 ball, meaning the Twins would have to play 7, 750 ball to run away from that perspective. I think, I really think that just because of the schedule difference, the only way that it's not neck and neck is if the Twins somehow just don't lose, which uh, I don't know. I still expect Cleveland to keep their heads above water. I still expect. If I were to look at it now, yeah. the Twins win 96 games and, and Cleveland 90, 92, 93 if, if everything goes to plan. So I think we're in for a really fun August and September if you can watch it without putting yourself into that and feeling like that pressure is on you. <laughs> if you can watch and enjoy right. drama without yeah. it affecting your blood pressure or your waistline <laughs> or your hairline, um, those of us who have any of that to give. Uh but I think it's going to be compelling baseball no matter what. I just think that we're in for a real fun last couple months. Yeah, and, and your point on, on the schedules well taken. I think the Twins play 33 games in division, I think, and then the Indians play 17. It's something something along those lines. Well, I, I thought it was like a 14-game difference between – It's like a 14-game difference between number of opponents above 500 too. So that's, that's literally yeah. the um, – the the opposite of what streaks the or stretches these teams just played. So, you know, it was the yeah. the the, con, the inverse of it, I guess. Yeah, and and I think it's gonna. And this is which is why I say it's gonna come down to head to head. I think the Indians will be lucky to play 500 ball against the top teams, um, and then they'll they'll win their the games they're supposed to. You you guys will win the games they're supposed to, and then it'll just come down to who can who can stand up to the pressure late. But what's funny is that. This season is so much more fun because this this exact conversation I'm having, I was having with nobody last year because the Indians, I mean, granted the Twins were close, but the Indians, the entire season was just beat the division and play 500 ball against the good teams. And they kind of, the season was so boring because it was just, they kind of walked their way to the, not to, not to discount anything the Twins did last year. No, you can, it's but, fair, it's fair. <laughs> but, but, but they kind of, sleepwalked their way into the playoffs and got swept in three games at Houston. We kind of blinked at the end of that series and said, what just happened? And, and which is why this season now there's been a lot of adversity, but it's been exciting because this, this is, it's different than last year where now we actually have to track someone down and there's some expectation. There's some fun games on the schedule ahead. It's not just, Oh, we'll go 500 and we'll, we'll take nine to 10 against the, the Tigers and Royals. And then we'll be all good. So this is at least this now we'll see what this team is truly made of for a stretch run. Whereas last year it was just, it, it was terrible baseball to watch. It, 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 I hated being a fan of last year's team mm -hmm. and watching those playoffs of just three straight games of non-competitive baseball. It, it was a fitting end to the last season. So I'm hoping 
that this year, a little bit of fire that the Twins have lit under the Indians will propel them to greater success in the postseason. I, I have the exact numbers just to be sure on this. Sure. This is before the Chicago game. Um, 36 games remaining against sub-500 teams for Minnesota. Cleveland only has 29. Twins have yet to play Atlanta, Boston, Washington, and the Dirty Brewers. And then, yeah, all good teams. And then uh, (laughs) Cleveland has yet to play Houston, Boston, New York. And I think they do Boston, New York back to back. Tampa Bay, the Angels, Philadelphia, Washington, Twins versus Cleveland nine times, six times at uh, Target Field. Nine times? Nine times. That's that's a Ferris Bueller joke. I'm sorry. (laughs) That's uh, from Parker (laughs) Hagman, Twin Steely. So, yeah, a lot of. Uh, as Chris is saying, a lot of excitement so, to come. I want to ask you about last year, uh, and I think I know what direction you'll go, but how much do you think playing sleepwalking AL Central teams 60% of the time or whatever it is affected Cleveland's preparation for the postseason? Because, I mean, I know it's a it's a correlation causation thing where you could see it either way. Maybe if you're not tested, you're also a little bit fresher in the postseason and not as um, – you know, worn out, but at the same time, yeah, you haven't faced a team over 500 in the last six months. Uh, <laughs> seems like, and the, yeah. and frankly, frankly, the twins won like seven of their last eight games or something. And they were playing the t- Detroit's and the Kansas cities at the end of the season and just beating up on them. They really were more like a 72 win team before that D- chicken and egg, I guess. But did you feel like the lack of big time games last season really did hurt them when it came to October? Absolutely. Absolutely. There was no adversity for the team to fight through. Yeah. Um, I think they were still licking their wounds, to be honest, from that Yankee series where mm-hmm. I think a lot changed there. And and they kind of thought, well, what happened? I think there's some there's some thought of, well, has our window closed? You know, I, I sympathize with you guys a lot with the small market mentality where, you know, the Yankees are big brother and you're constantly looking at your stars as when they're eventually going to leave. And I think when you lose that game to the Yankees and the Yankees look that good and the Astros eventually win the world series and Boston wins. I think you're looking at it like, well, where do we fit? Mm-hmm. And if you're just playing so 60% of your games against teams that are trotting out minor league rosters, twins excluded. But yeah. when you're, when you're, when you're looking at that um, and then you really only have to win half your games against the good teams, like what is there to build off of when, when you, when you, play when it's actually matter. It doesn't actually matter. I can't imagine the frustrations Francona had. I mean, a three game set against Houston in August and they, they go, they lose two and win one. What is he supposed to say? And then when you have a three game mm-hmm. set in the, in the champion, in the division series, when you actually have to win, it, it, it's, it's hard. It's gotta be really hard to motivate it. You can only internally motivate so much. And I mean, you're constantly up against the gun where the window might be closing and the pressure gets to you. And I think if, if you're not having fun, like this is, I think this is fun for the Indians like facing some adversity. The players are starting to round back into form. There's no expectation really of winning the division. I mean, we're out, out 11 games and you're chasing down a division rival. I mean, this is a lot more fun and, and you can have more fun coming to work rather than just playing out the string. Well, and then t- playing in a postseason series where you're playing a better team. You talk about adversity too. This year's Indians team is a master's course unto itself of adversity. I mean, you couldn't yeah. get much more. Now, I do have to ask you though. We talk about the Yankees as this this burgeoning, you know, titan of whatever. 
How frustrating is it though when you're like, yeah, also Mike Talkman is having a big series against the <laughs> Twins. And I mean, Aaron Hicks is a really good player, but he's not. We were know. stick with Hicks, guys. We, yeah, yeah. we should say um, for the record. You know, Didi Gregorius is a really great player, but he, like Mike, uh, or sorry, um, Dan Hayes tweeted, he was 24 for 25. I, I believed it. And everybody believed it. Um, you know, you expect guys like Gary Sanchez to beat you, uh, although he um, you know, hurts you. Aaron yeah. Judge, yeah. But then you go out and you get dominated by these these lesser known guys, the Gliber Torres, who obviously great prospect, but he's still a young kid. You know, these are not the Yankees of the Jason Giambi and Derek Jeter days. Yeah. A Rod. Right. So when you're a small market team, and I use that phrase relatively because everyone yeah. compared to the Yankees is, it's still gotta be frustrating to see them use Luke Voigt, who they traded Literally, Chasen Shrev, a reliever who just got DFA'd by the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, the Yankees are not only, you know, spending more than everyone else, but b- using a ton of brain power, too. I mean, man, you got to feel almost like it's a catch-22. You can't beat them when you have your best guys all lined up. And when they have a bunch of injuries, you know, Brett Gardner's down and they don't have Giancarlo Stanton. And suddenly they're still kicking your ass. I mean, that sucks. I mean, it's it's scary. And the best way to describe this change in the in the Yankees is with Trevor Bauer. Because it's so funny to me that Bauer is in trade talks and one of the Yankees and the Yankees are one of the teams in play. And as an Indians fan, this disgusts me. Like besides the fact that I know the Yankees have prospects that I could take. Mm-hmm. It's such a weird catch twenty two, right? Like most of the time they're trading you their pros like we're trading them prospects or they're signing all of our prospects that we've developed. But now what's funny is they might have the, the best haul back for Trevor Bauer in their farm system. Would you take it's so Clint strange Frazier? That they can still pay the money and then they still have these guys coming up. I hate it. Would you take Clint Frazier in a trade like that? Well, Clint Frazier, we already traded away. Right. That's Randy what I mean. Miller, that's what know. I mean. And I don't, I, I, I wouldn't. No, I wouldn't take Clint Frazier. I think he is a bit of a, a bit of a head case. Head Boy. cases don't work yeah, in Cleveland. Who's he going to complain to the to the Cleveland Plain Dealer that he's not getting playing time? <laughs> like he's not going to get enough clicks out here. Got to tell so, He was a he, he was a top story on SportsCenter when he was kicking the ball around in right field, like or he was complaining about not not playing. And I I think we got rid of him. Um, I, I, honestly, I think I'm not quite sure if Gleyber Torres would would be a guy. But uh, but I think it's it, it's it's crazy to me that I'm I'm scouting the Yankees farm system as a potential for potentially trading Trevor Bauer because they should not have those sort those types of resources because if when they do it's it's get you can't compete as a middle market team you just can't and that that kind of goes into the the frustrations of of the past seasons but it also kind of describes the mindset mindset of the Indians as a, as a mid market Midwest team. Mm-hmm you kind of take on the underdog persona and the Indians did not have that last year. They just didn't. And uh, if you don't have that as a middle market team, yeah, you have nothing. And, and, and I think now what the twins have done is have given them that mid market mentality and that underdog mentality back that they haven't had quite honestly, since the 2016 world series. Yeah, and so this that. kind of bringing it all together is I think the one shift that our, our teams have that, the big mega market teams don't. 
you got to have that carrot dangling in front of your face to to chase all season long. Um, I'm going to poke the bear a little bit here. Maybe you guys could get uh, Gio Urshela back in a trade like that. <laughs> oh, no, man. <laughs> Gio Urshela. Ursh- Sheesh. Man, just give us Yandy Diaz back, too. I was just thinking, <laughs> how, uh, how do you tell, the, tell them apart? I mean, they're both having – I mean, Yandy's been hurt, but, uh, man, they're both having nice yeah, he's years. Been hurt. So hey, but, but let, hey, Jose's starting to hit homers at third base though. So now we don't have as big of a need anymore. Yeah, and I mean, you still got to pay Kipnis, so you got to keep him around until that's over. Which is that, oh, the, end of, is that the end of this season? Is he is he off the books after this season? I think he's got. I think he is. I, I really don't want to have to think he has one more year, but I think he's done. I hate what's happened to him because I mean, he's the kind of guy you respect. You know, he came up signed that deal that should have made sense for both sides and it just kind of blew up on them. But you hate when young teams make those moves and they don't work out because those are the things they need to pan out. You know, the Evan Longoria deal with Tampa Bay all those years ago and Blake Snell. And, you know, when those don't work out, those are supposed to be the ultimate team-friendly deals. And that's not to say that yep. I want to root for owners over players. It's just, yeah. You know. Kip, Kipnis, one year, one year left. The next one year? One year left. 2020, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's not great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and especially with with the emergence of Jose the last two years, who is a natural second baseman. Oh, no, I mean, no, he's a free agent this year. worked out worse. He's got an option. There's a two and a half million dollar yeah, option. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. baseball reference puts the year of the they, they put 2020 for free agent. They're considering it the winter 1920. So this winter they, they're weird like that. You have to make sure because yeah. because when. MLB trade rumors does that they call it the fruit of the winter of 19. So it's, it's very confusing, but um, you know, when you, when you take the pulse of this Cleveland team, I mean, how do you expect them to compete against these bigger teams now that that's coming into focus? Obviously they're rolling, but um, I don't know. Momentum is a funny thing in baseball. It, it does matter, but it doesn't matter because you're only hot until you're not. And you're only cold until you're not. And you look back at winning streaks and losing streaks, and they don't really make a ton of sense after the fact. So, um, you know, if you look at August, what's your excitement level for how this team is going to play in your mind? I think they're going to play fantastic. Reason being is mm-hmm. the team is starting to finally hit again. And I keep reiterating, I can't stress enough, Jose Ramirez, if he gets back to an MVP level, the whole team is going to, is going to start rallying around him the whole the potential to have Kluber back. Everyone knows how hard he's been working. Carrasco, everyone, everyone wants to win for Carlos Carrasco and he's working to come back. I think we have a lot of good, good animal spirits working for us right now that the team is able to latch onto and kind of have some bulletin board material. And I don't think they're quite ready to relinquish the division because that's, what's going to happen. If they don't win the division this year, I've already I've already discussed what's going to happen next year. With there's one year left for both Lindor and Francona, and that's that's almost impossible to get the team ready to win that year. So I think this is the year where they really need to kind of reclaim their identity and use it to fuel the next three months. I think they're going to get a bat. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if. They traded Trevor Bauer, to be honest. Um, if they got an everyday player and a couple prospects out of it, I could see them pulling the trigger, pulling the trigger on that. Um, and I think, I don't think they're going to do too much, um, too much to tweet things other than that. I don't think they're going to, um, make any big swings, uh, for a bat in the lineup. Um, I, I just am really excited 
for how they're going to fuel this stretch run. If they, I mean, they have experienced, like I said, the 21 game win streak two years ago, last year was a dud, but they know how, how things are cooking when they're good. And they know how they're cooking when they're bad. And I think right now they're going to pull it all together. Francona is a mastermind in there. He's going to put everyone together. He'll pull the right levers. And I think I would trust him guiding the ship down the stretch more than almost anyone else in baseball. And that's just the kind of hope you have to hold on to when you're, you know, when you're a middle market team. Now, if they were to get, let's say, positional help in a Trevor Bauer deal, I mean, it would almost have to be like a, an everyday really good center fielder or someone like that, wouldn't it? Yes, outfield without question. Now, now Mercado, Oscar Mercado has been excellent. Right. He has been the biggest surprise of the season for us. And Tyler Naquin in right field has been hitting well enough to justify an everyday role. Left field has been plug and play with, you know, we'll put uh, Jordan Luplo out there. We'll put uh, Jake Bowers sometimes out Greg there. Allen. Uh, Greg Allen. It's, it's it's a revolving door. So if we could get an everyday outfielder, you know, like a, a, an above average position player, right? You would expect in a in a Trevor Bauer type type trade. If we could get, and I know Clint Frazier kind of fits that mold, but if you could get a guy to plug into that lineup to really get things moving one through nine, I think, I think that would be massive for this team. Um, but again, I don't know. I don't know if they're, if they're going to actually, if they're going to actually go for it. So the last thing that I have for you is, and I know the looming returns or potential returns of Carlos Carrasco and Corey Kluber, obviously are going to matter a lot. But would it be fair to say that the pivot points or the linchpins for each of these teams and where they're headed the last two months, it's going to come down to what each of these teams get from on the twin side, Byron Buxton, and on the Cleveland side, the continued improvement and return to form of Jose Ramirez. Agreed. Now, one question I had for you guys is sure. do you believe you're in the market for Noah Syndergaard? Uh, we, I've we've heard gone, your name tossed around a little bit. We, we've gone back and forth on this. I, I don't think it happens. No, I also I don't either, but also stupid Justin over there thinks Royce Lewis should be traded because Lewis Brinson, <laughs> Lewis Brinson returned uh, Christian Yelich, but uh, but no, I I mean I don't think they are just because I think I think Royce Lewis is like a necessary part in like two years. I think the only way it happens is if they could move one or the other of Lewis or Kirilov. I definitely I'd, not both. I'd include Kirilov. I mean, almost you have to, you have to. No, no, no. I mean, I'm just saying like, because, that makes because sense. Because they have so many outfielders as is. Yeah. And it's not that you could use him too as kind of Buxton insurance if he gets hurt. Also, he may be a bitter hitter in terms of spraying the ball around then. Kirilov? Yeah. Isn't he like yeah, a, yeah. No, it's yeah. fine. But I mean, if you have Larnick that you really like and think yeah. he can play in the outfield or first base, if they, whatever openings come through. Yeah. Um, if you're going to trade from a place of strength, you can justify outfield because you've got Larnick, you've got Kirilov, yeah. three really good starters. And you could also justify trading Lewis because you've got Arise, you've got Polanco. Yeah, but I think in terms of but also, But also Gordon, too, could be a utility guy. They, yeah. So just, they don't, I don't know if Polanco's an everyday shortstop. Like in, but you can't, trade, you can't trade both. There's no way that right, trade happens right. if it's both. If you could go Kirilov... <laughs> Gratterall and one or two lottery tickets, you know, where maybe the maybe the Mets like Akil Badu yeah. and Wander Jose Javier. Miranda, yeah. Wander Javier. Yeah. If they like guys on the back end, those those like like when the twins got 
Devin Smeltzer, who's pitching the big leagues this year, yep. and Luke Rayleigh for Brian Dozier, yep. or Alcala, yeah. Johan Durano, whoever they've yeah. done all those trades they made. Those guys were not like the top end prospects in no, those. Lottery, in those lottery, it, was, yeah. it was more like who do we like from the back end? If they could do one or the other, that's where I think it becomes possible. And the, a report just came out that the price was too high, which probably means that they wanted Lewis and Kirilov. A lot can change in five days, though. It, for sure. I think, Chris, more likely is that they they go and get two relievers, which now, is— tr- Now, if they get Syndergaard, how does that change your feeling for the rest of the season? I mean, do you go into—like, um, are you beside yourself at that point? <laughs> that that scares the heck out of me that yeah. you guys would get Syndergaard because— for, for, for this reason, because I know you said it's Buxton and, and Jose, but in reality, the be- the Indians aren't going to make that move. Their best case scenario is their current players just play better. Mm-hmm. And so the Twins getting Syndergaard is an, un- is an unknown, a number one starter that you're throwing in that scares the heck out of me. Because I know you, I know you guys just went through the, 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 the breakdown of the roster and the prospects. For, for someone who doesn't follow the Twins every day, you know, what matters to me is that I see the headline on ESPN that says the Twins traded for Noah Syndergaard. And honestly, if Buxton's not in the deal or Sanu's not in the deal or, you know, Polanco or, or players that I, that I know or Odorizzi, like, to me, it's just like, oh, crap. They, they traded prospects for a chance to win now. The rich gets and richer. So for me. Yeah, and it closes. Yeah, yeah. With, exactly. with the window, with the Cleveland window as cracked as it is towards closing, the Twins can slam it shut by saying, all right, we're going to go head to head with you the rest of the year. And we're going to try squash that last little bit of hope you have before yes. Lindor, Bauer, and everybody either become free agents or guys like Kluber are not as effective anymore. Yeah, yeah, yes, that, and that—that's why I think if you guys make a big move at the deadline, that's where I start to get a little bit scared that this. Okay, maybe we don't have a handle on things here because then it's all on us, our players playing better, and that—that's a—that's a tough proposition because you can't there's no there's nothing to inject right there's no new life to inject there's no way to change up the clubhouse there you know there's no new toy to show off it's just the same guys Mm -hmm. have to get up every day and just play better whereas if you guys go out and make a move to get a cinder guard or a bum gardener or or you know an ace yeah pitcher that you can throw with oda rizzi i mean Man, that would be formidable because the Indians have the arms. They have the arm advantage. Right. We don't. We don't have the bat advantage. We do not. We're not going. To, we're not going to score eighty runs in a three-game set against the Yankees. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> right. But if you so, but we can. But we can hold the Yankees to potentially, you know, a couple runs a game. So if we don't have the arm advantage over you guys, then it starts to really become a problem. Yeah, and if there's a trade like that, it becomes: Are the Twins turning their attentions from, you know? trying to quote-unquote stomp Cleveland this year, but then how much does it affect them trying to battle Chicago in the future because Chicago feels like they're a, a step or two away. So, yeah, I don't know. It just it, it, To me, it just becomes kind of a pivot point of we can squash Cleveland, but how much does it hurt our bottom line when it comes to competing over the next two to four or three to five years? And, and, that's, and that is the problem of the middle market. You have mm-hmm. to take your shots when you can, mm-hmm. and, they, and they have to pay off. That sounds it's, like it's, it's a sad, it's a sad, sad game being a fan of a middle market. That sounds like a night, in, game. night in Duluth with Tom. Oh, um, God. <laughs> Boo. All right, Boo. Chris, Chris Boo. thank you so much for your time. We'll have you on again soon. We'll see if it's because the twins are five games up, five games down or somewhere in between. So <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Always. 
Always great talking to you guys, all right? Go Tribe. He's Chris in Cleveland. Thank you so much. Tom, I do have to ask you a few things before we uh, no, I'm, I'm hurt. I'm hurting game. right now. Well, there's no question about that. What are you making of these Lance Lynn rumors? There's some <laughs> No no way Lance Lynn is he's gonna take a nap in this clubhouse again. I don't I mean I it'd be an odd move. He was kind of a f- I'm I'm not buying that it's a legit rumor. No, I mean and, I and why and why would he be a, a lower cost? He's signed for the next two years at ten million dollars per yeah. year. He's having a phenomenal year. He's one of the highest pitchers in Amer- in the American League in in Fangraphs War. Yeah. He's pitching phenomenally. Why would the Rangers say, Yeah, you know what? Taken. Also, I think the Rangers got some sort of kind of injection of life or whatever this year, right? I mean, well, why? Until uh, until the All Star break, I think they've been playing worse but, since but the break. If you have a guy like him, and and now with with uh, Joey Gallo hurt, they kind of start looking right. But I'm saying a guy who's on a three year contract has pitched well, taken to kind of the change of scenery, if you will. Uh, you know, Do you want to give him a new scenery that's old scenery that he didn't like in the first place? Yeah, not more than anything, it's just like, you know, it's it's kind of, it's a bad co- comparison, but it's a little the Gibson thing where I know people aren't thrilled with him, he, especially in that Yankee game, took a while to to throw the ball, and he, <laughs> you know, he's, um, he's not that all-star caliber player, but because he is a viable starting pitcher in Major League Baseball, he has some value to his team, and I, I think, you know, Lance Lynn probably given kind of what you can expect from the next two seasons has that value of just, he's a certainty in some, some respect for them. So we will come back on Tuesday with a trade deadline extravaganza. We'll talk all the rumors that matriculate over the weekend. I don't know where the twins will be by then. Are they back here by then? They will be playing Kansas city here, I believe. Yeah. Oh man. I'm not ready for the team to come home yet. Do you, we should mention this and I meant to bring this up with Chris, Kansas city's played them tough. They're not a good team. It doesn't but make any sense. Yeah, it's weird because they they it was a one zero victory over Cleveland. They took them ten innings, I think, in one of those games. But, um, but yeah, so they'll they'll be back here at Kansas City, Atlanta, and then Cleveland here August eighth. So well, you know, the Twins need to thank their lucky stars that Justin Smoke took care of business against Cleveland the other night. Yeah, in Toronto. Otherwise, it'd be a one game. I think I think Chris is right though. I mean, I, as much as it's an encouraging sign that not only. Nelson Cruz is the headliner, three three home runs. I yep. Giolito is an all star, yeah. but and ten runs total. But Jose Barrios took care of business in a game that can be hard to pitch in, just because he you know he's in the in the dugout so often watching the offense, which is a first world problem. But he he did what he needed to do to save the bullpen, and and I think a good performance. Not for only Barrios. that, but then Sean Poppin came in and did what he needed to do. The Twins have seen so many times. Well, maybe not so many times this year, but they've had guys. There's very different thing between the haves and the have-nots. Sean Poppin has done his job eating two games worth of innings. We saw Devin Smeltzer do it against the Yankees, but then there was Fernando Romero who came in and didn't even get a single out. They wanted him to finish that game yeah. when he got sent out about a month yeah, or so. Romero ago. baffles me, man. I think he has stuff. But I, I, I am encouraged by this approach of as much as some of these guys, like I thought McGill was all, you're not sorry, not McGill, but Marin was all right or whatever, mm-hmm. and Parker was all right in the beginning of the season, instead of going with these kind of older guys, bring in the the Poppins, the Littell. Littell obviously was really good. Lewis um, Thorpe. Lewis Thorpe, Devin Smeltzer. Like, cycle through those guys and make them show you, I want to be a twin, right? I want to be in the majors. For, for it, me, DFAing Mejia is kind of a minimal non-factor. DFAing yeah. Parker made sense because he just was so uneven. But when you DFA an interesting arm in McGill, who threw hard, had big breaking stuff. Yeah, he had better stuff. And then when you yeah. DFA Marin, who's got pretty good numbers, but just not great it hasn't stuff. quite been there. Yeah. 
those two especially signify that they do have plans to do something. I, I completely agree, and I, I saw the Romo rumor or whatever. I, I, but but for me, but for me, it, it, opening four spots on the forty did not signify anything. It was just guys who didn't have options that they moved on from. It was more about that they decided specific guys to move on from that signified to me that they had plans, whether it's Sergio Romo, Jake Diekman, Ian Cannon, yeah. Michael Givens, or whoever else. Yeah, and, and the whole NL thing is is a bit of a bummer, especially the Giants. You thought there'd be some more availability. That's five or six arms that are off the yeah, yeah, I mean, it was funny when you did that story. People can go back in your arch- archives. I think this was like early in the season when everyone was talking about relievers. They're like, here's the options. Identify good relievers on bad teams, and it, most of them were Giants. Yeah, and so um, – for a multitude of reasons that that's not a good uh, development. However, I think this, this is when Falvey and Levine can create, you know, kind of a positive image for themselves and the twins where show the fans and show the team, the guys in the locker room, they're serious about competing this year. They're not taking Cleveland for granted and that, they were so close to potentially winning a series. Brandon's is that a no? I run. I is ran that your agent? On tile. I'm sitting on my my keys. This is see Justin Bailey. What a joke. Justin Bailey. I'm gonna bring you in the show real quick. This is what happens is he's got sources. For people that don't know, that was uh that was a Cindergard offer, and and Brandon just turned it down. <laughs> it's a bummer. They <laughs> wanted they wanted Gordon. <laughs> Gonsalves and Rooker, and I'm just not. And Justin it. Bailey for their in-house well, podcast. You know where I stand on that. I don't want him unless he cuts his hair. <laughs> Bailey's gonna go out with like school scissors and be like, "Come here, boy." <laughs> Bailey, Bailey says, "Get off my lawn," and he rents an apartment. That's how bad that is. <laughs> there, I am really gen. I think I said like maybe earlier this week or last week when the Brewers were in these talks for Cindergard last year. I would have literally signed over the rights to the Carolina Mudcats to New York in exchange <laughs> I, for this guy. I don't think you want to do that. I can't. Um, I can't believe how many people are just so out on this trade. Yeah. Just have yeah. no interest in even talking about who the Twins could potentially give up. Like they are, they just have no interest in it. I can't believe that. Now, before we go, we are giving away like Twins tickets and a Twins jersey on our yeah. Facebook we should page buy. Yeah, so, so people should. Follow check us on us Facebook. Out. Check us out. Look for Zone Coverage on Facebook. I'm going to pull up the page here. Make sure I got the right. It's facebook.com slash zone coverage media. Not hard to find. Like the page. Just check out the sweepstakes. And um, yeah. Well, that's all I got for us today, Tom. It's a big day for me. Did you know that? What do we got going on? I'm meeting Sandy Schreier today. Oh, stop. Oh. Stop. Oh, all right. God, so that's the for worst. Justin Boo. So for Justin Boo. Bailey producing... Tom Schreier at T Schreier three across the table for Chris in Cleveland. One of my favorite recurring guests between yes. him and Matt Trueblood. We've had yes, some Trueblood nice. was great. Listen to that show, by the way, for trade deadline stuff. Yeah. And then maybe we'll find another guest on Tuesday, but we're going to have a lot to get through. As things are going now, it feels like no trades are going to happen between now and then. And, and literally everything's going to happen like the 11th hour. Right. When they're in Miami. Yeah. Anyway, so that's all we got for this week's episode. Brandon Warren signing off at Brandon underscore Warren. Tune in next time, next week, Tuesday, trade deadline extravaganza, Midwest Swing, part of the Zone Coverage Podcast Network. Rock over London. Rock on, Chicago. 